podcasts. If you want to hear more, then you can follow us at becomecgpro.com or in our Facebook group. So today, I'm very excited to welcome Danny. She is an incredible has an incredible history in multiple formats and various amazing companies. She worked for Cirque du Soleil, Walt Disney Company, and Imagineering, and has just done an amazing number of things, including some of the, the Star Wars rides at Disney World and just super cool stuff. And I'm currently the Director of Physical Production at Lux Machina. Um, Danny, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Um, Thanks. Happy to be here. Pleasure to have you here. Uh, so, yeah, we'll we'll get into some some more things that you've done though, that was a gross over simplification of your your amazing career. Um, I'd I'd love to start by just asking you kind of how how you got started in into these. You've been in various industries, I guess, at this point. I know you come a lot from from theatre and the, the live event world. Um, how did how did it all begin for you? What was were there some early inspirations that kind of interested you in working in that kind of world? Yeah, um, I think I started out as a performer way back in the day. And also I was a super smart, like science technology kid. So I kind of had both of those things going for me. Um, and as I started to get into theater, I, I was fascinated by the science part of it and got into automation and programming and show control, which, you know, fed both sides of my brain, the creative side that wanted to create something, and then obviously the technology side that wanted to feed that. Um, luckily, I came up at a time where things were really starting to take off. We started to see uh, show control items that were uh, running via SIMPTI, and I had the opportunity to start really diving into what does that mean and how do I... Um, I did a lot of stage managing before I went into show control and it was like, how do I breathe a show? How do I call a show so it will be called that way forever? Um, and I, that was really my entry into starting to program items and starting to figure out how those would run. And I did that on a cruise ship years and years ago. And then that translated into going to Cirque where I was running automation as the first female head of automation at Cirque du Soleil. Uh, I was on tour in New Zealand and Australia, setting up a great big rig and pulling it down every eight weeks. And although it was great, there was a bit of an ozone issue. And we had parts mm. where we worked with the tent and I'm very fair. And so I was having a terrible time during setups where I was just getting burned. And I said, I don't think this is the life for me. Um, but I loved yeah. Cirque du Soleil. And so I said, what about the, the stage management side of my brain? Let's go check that out. Um, and so I became a stage manager for them in Vegas and spent some time stage managing and then touring Europe. And then as that closed, I went back to the automation side. So I've really switched between like, what is the technology? Um, and all of those things led to my being at Disney and in a situation where I was using show control and automation to tell stories. Um, and when that all kind of came together, I thought this is the best job I will ever have in my entire life. I, three years ago, had you asked me, I said, I'm going to, I'm a retired Imagineer. I love being an Imagineer. It's incredible. I, I love the teams I work with. I love all the things we do. We had the opportunity to build Pirates in Shanghai. And then we built uh, Pandora um, and this very cool immersive land in Florida. I got the opportunity to consult on a bunch of different projects that are continuing to come out for Imagineering. And then I got the opportunity to really live my dream and build Star Wars, right? 
I'm absolutely a child of the Star Wars generation. Um, and it was really, really amazing. And when we opened the Star Wars attractions, I really thought this is it, right? I have reached the thing that I wanna reach. I don't know what else I'm gonna be seeking for. And then the pandemic happened and everything sort of stopped. And we didn't know when it would start again. And there was a lot of, for me, I went from 110 miles to, to nothing. Um, you know, I, I, I traveled um, 48 flights in 2019, traveling between uh, Orlando and California, opening both lands, um, splitting my weeks. And I flew back from Tokyo where I had taught a class February 29th. And uh, Disney said, stay home for two, two weeks because we're not really sure what's happening here. And by the time I was released, California had shut down. And I was, you know, consequently, I was, I was furloughed because imaginary furloughed a bunch of people. And all of a sudden I was sitting in my house going, what do I do? And I, I talk a lot about my friend group. I think as we talk to younger generations, we talk about mentors sometimes, but I think for those of us who are at that edge of technology, there isn't always a mentor. There isn't always somebody who's hit that barrier before who's gone through, but I have this fantastic friend group where we're all kind of in our different areas hitting technology and those peers in that moment were exactly the solve that i needed and they mm -hmm. they said to me uh you know danny you've been an imagineer and you've been a stage manager and you've been an automation person but really what you've done is helped explain technology and help people make it easier and move it and change it and that's what you do and so I started to explore that. What does that look like in this new world? What do I want to go change? And I think like everyone else, I watched the behind the scenes for The Mandalorian and I went, that's where we're going, right? With film and television. I, I, I see not only how it fits in this moment in time, but how this is going to change the way we work, how this is going to change the way we talk about how we do production. And I'd had some time in production. I'd living in LA, I'd spent some time PAing and I'd spent some time on sets running automation for high-speed winches. And I had some familiarity and I had some familiarity with, I'd worked with ILM for the attractions at Disney. Um, and we'd worked on timing and how we do what we call moving eye point to give us parallax in, in rides where you have a bunch of people in a space and they feel like the room is moved. Um, and then, so all of those little pieces, I reached out and started talking to Phil Dollar. And um, Phil was just an inspiration of what they were doing with creativity and with technology and how they were changing what we were going to do. And so that brought me into Lux. And it was really an exciting moment to join and to see how this technology could change. Wow. That just, to me, sounds so exciting. Sounds like such a, an adventure that you've been on. Like uh, almost makes me jealous. <laughs> that just sounds like a, a, a really, really cool experience to have got to be part of those things. So childhood dreams and amazing technical innovation and super cool. I've been very lucky. Yeah. I, and... I think there've been a lot of opportunities and I, um, I say yes to things a lot. Sometimes when I'm not sure I'm ready and I'm a little bit scared, I just say, sure, let's go do it. <laughs> And um, it's led to a lot of really cool opportunities. Right. Uh, that's, yeah. I mean, that's really good advice. I think there's lo lots of different people that listen to this at different stages in their careers, from people who are starting out to people who have been in 
various industries for a while, people maybe wanted to make a transition. And I think it's, it's really inspiring to hear the, um, what, um, what inspired you to make some of those changes and how you felt drawn towards different things. And, and, and the pandemic story, I know is a, a common one, really uh, an interesting moment at the beginning of the pandemic too, an interesting shift there. Um, and it, yeah, it kind of felt terrifying at, at that moment, but it's made way for some amazing new opportunities. What, um, any, any favorites that stand out for you? They all sound amazing to me, but any, any particular favorites? Um, um so, uh, years ago I had this thing where I think you have to take the moment to see the thing and, and how, and how it influences the world, what you've done. Right. So like sometimes we get very focused on the work and what we're doing piece by piece. And then we have to take that moment to look up and say, this is what we've done. Um, opening the Disney attraction, Rise of the Resistance, uh, watching people come off. Um, we expected people to be moved, but uh, I've, you know, people with tears in their eyes that said, I, wow. I just lived in Star Wars. I, you know, it, it is a very unique experience. John Lorena, who was our creative um, executive on that, really fought very hard to make sure that all of the pieces went appropriately in and that led to an attraction that, as I said, uh, you'll, will always be an Imagineer. It will always be a thing I built. It will always exist, hopefully always exist, and people will always enjoy it. So that was a really huge moment for me. Um, as well, working with Lux has been really fascinating, getting the opportunity to open these volumes, to see them for the first time, to watch people walk in. Coming from a creative background, the volume is a tremendous amount of technology, which allows us to tell different stories, maybe tell more stories and location in one day, but it also allows us creatively to walk into a space. Mm. It, it isn't a green screen. It isn't a thing we're explaining what it will look like. I, and there's lots of challenges with that. We, we move things up in pre, there's lots of challenges, but the reality is what it also does is it puts creative back in the creative space where we can talk not about the technology and all of the pieces and parts that got us here, but about what we're trying to capture. And mm -hmm. so I've had a couple of moments since I've started with Lux where, as I say, my, my feet just start to dance because the stage that we're standing on is just this incredible moment of everybody's focused on the same thing. We all know where our goal is and we're all in a space that allows us to create it. Fantastic. Yeah, it really, uh, interesting to think of it in that way that you're not just creating a, a soundstage, a production space. You're you're essentially creating a an immersive experience. You're creating like a VR experience for the people that get mm -hmm. lucky enough to be in in the middle of it. Yeah, it's really really magic, and I, it does make you feel different being in the middle of one of those spaces. And I know yeah, that that yeah. that translates into the creative and to the how the actors feel and how all of the people on stage feel. Yeah. When, when I was in school, um, my teacher came from a very traditional acting background, and a lot of the things that we did were uh, very specific about how motion creates space and, and remembering things through motion that, that was a specific childhood memory or something to, to recreate that acting space. Um, and a lot of it was about putting yourself in a time and place. And when I see the way that volumes can be used now or, or just, or an LED wall or, or the different ways that we have gone to a more immersive space, um, 
there are things you could re you could create. You could certainly take people to a desert, and you could take people to a forest, but you can't take people to Mars. Um, so there are spaces that this is the only way we can create them and give us that creative space to stand in. And I think that is the unique thing that um, that I'm really excited to see more and more of. So you were an actor originally. I was. Oh, very cool. <laughs> Um, that must be a really interesting perspective too to bring into this, coming back into this space. I guess you've always been in that that kind of space where people are performing, but to to be in in the space where do you get do you get to see productions much and see the see the people acting in there and watching productions happen? Um, I do, and I think it's it's great to see actors and directors start to play with the space. Um, coming through Cirque du Soleil, one of the biggest things that some of those early shows had and were able to gift was they didn't necessarily go into rehearsals with an exact view of where they were going. And although in production, we're much more limited to that because we do have budgets that we have to hold to, there are still moments of play that are possible where we can say, this is, we, we've offered all these tools, maybe we've got our shots for the day, let's see what else might be there. And it's, it's fascinating to see people get that opportunity to play and see what might happen. Um, I was a stage manager at Mystere in Vegas, and that stage was built with a whole bunch of pieces that aren't used in the current show. They were built as a, we might want to use that. And I used to love giving tours of that space to say, you know, here's a trap door that's not used for anything else, or here's a window that's not used for anything else, because at the time that the theater was built, the show wasn't written. And we didn't know what we were going to create. So that's always been one of my favorite little things is that, you know, what is the thing that we can create that we maybe haven't thought of yet. Right. What What is, um, you must hear a lot of conversations from people who have not used this technology before and are using it for the first time. What, what are some of the things that you hear from them as kind of reactions to being able to work in this way? I mean, I think it depends on where we are in the process. There's people who come to us when they're early in the process, they haven't walked in a volume yet, they haven't had the opportunity to see what that might be. Um, and so they're, they've heard things from people, um, in many ways, it's a tool. So, you know, they've maybe heard that, uh, that someone had an issue and is that a thing that we're going to run into, or they've heard someone say, oh, we just, we did the whole thing and everything was easy. So there's that combination, right? Setting an acceptable expectation of this is a tool, this is technology. And there is a way that it must be used in order to really achieve the thing you're looking for. And we're always innovating, but we also have to be aware of the limitations. You know, things like uh, there are certain darkness levels, there are certain, uh, where it might not be exactly the tool you want for your production. But that's one of the great things that we get that opportunity to have those conversations early on and we can help guide. Um, we have a lot of experience within the organization to help with that. Um, and then there's, there's, the magic moment that we do get to see when we do walk on those stages and we've done all that hard work to get to this place. Um, we're building a stage in Atlanta right now. And um, there's some art that's been able to be put up and we've been doing, you know, some demos and taking people through the space. And it's just really stunning to walk onto the stage and have that moment of that feeling, that immersive experience. It, it really is the perfect blend of Imagineering and production, really. I, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Fantastic. Well, I, I hope I get to see it sometime. I'd love to come check it out. Um, so, yeah, from some of the other ones that you've put together, what, what are, say, 
a, a director who hasn't shot in this way before say when they when they first got on the lead are they scared are they excited are they both do they have lots of questions i'm sure they do yeah, I think it's a little bit of, of everything and they have lots of questions. And obviously, you know, I help out to get our productions to stage, but I have an absolute slew of producers and supervisors and engine operators and uh, systems TDs that are out there to support directors and DPs and figuring out the things that help them. And not to mention, we have some pretty amazing founders who have stood on a lot of those stages. So they're there for those opportunities. But I think a lot of what we see um, from directors are, you know, <laughs> Honestly, they come from both sides. There are those who, it's again, it's back to how do we set people up and prep? Were they prepared for the challenges that we might see? And were they also prepared for the possibilities? Or did we promise them the absolute world and now they've walked on the stage and as we see challenges, it's frustrating? Did we, did they have a bad experience someplace else? And as they walked on their stage, they're prepared for challenges and all we can do is delight. Um, you know, it's always a combination of where they end up. Personally, I've seen um, directors very excited uh, that they got stuff in camera that they were planning on only using for reflections. Um, and, and, you know, we dealt with challenges as well. We did a, a shoot of, about a year ago where um, we were using a light card um, and that light card went up and that's fantastic. But uh, we were driving through trees and suddenly we all came to this realization of that sun would definitely have some dappling that would occur. And it was great to have the creative conversation on the stage, say, what's the thing we need to solve? You know, send us uh, engine TD off to come back with a tool that was able to recreate that dapple. I think that's one of the really cool things about this is there is a place where we can fix a thing while we're still in situ and figure out how we're gonna make that be exactly what the director's looking for. Right, yeah, like you can not just work on the creative in, in situ, but you can also work on the tech in situ because of some yeah. of the things that the tech particularly unreal engine allows you to program yeah. in real time as well as to create art in real time yeah. and then we add that to our arsenal right and the next time around mm -hmm. when we see that we say here's a thing that we think we might want to do and here's a thing we've seen before that might benefit right yeah it's exciting <clears throat> what how how does um coming from all of those other experiences other types of experience help you in this in this world so coming from theater and uh, creating immersive experiences and theme parks and all that kind of stuff how does that help i think it's interesting adapting to the especially in a virtual production volume where we're doing in-camera visual effects it is a different level of what we need to be prepared for in a day. There is a technology that has to come with us. There is an art or a content that has to be ready. Um, if the goal is to capture it, then we can't go back and fill it. We could, but ideally not. Um, and so I think coming from live events in theater, it's a similar feeling of like, all of these things must come together in this moment, in this time to make it happen. I have been fascinated uh, coming from the other side of the technology and where cameras have come to and sync has come to and video playback and game engine, all of these things that came together sort of at one time to allow this to occur, right? We couldn't do the thing we're doing if Unreal hadn't made it. We couldn't do the, and there are other ways, but Unreal is what I'm most familiar with. Um, we couldn't do it if camera sync 
wasn't at the space where we're able to gen lock through a system to an LED panel. If LED panels weren't at that, right? There's all these pieces that had to come together. And I think that's quite similar to theater and, and how, as we've innovated and I've worked with Cirque and Imagineering as we push those things forward, it's, it's a similar thing. The way we built Rise has a bunch of pieces that even a couple of years before we opened, we weren't sure the technology was gonna get there. And so it was, you know, and the goal was to not plan for the technology of today, but plan for the technology of when we open this. And so mm -hmm. finding those spaces, I think has, it prepped me for this conversation of, can we push it slightly further? Can we look at what maybe isn't here today, but is here in six months for this project that's happening, you know, in May. So <laughs> any, any advice for producers in this space? I know lots of uh, producers are really curious about making content in this way. Um, any, any advice for people, particularly people who haven't done it quite as much about how to, how to approach it, how to prepare for it, when to do it, when not to do it? I think, you know, one of the pieces of, of advice is I do think it's about enrolling partners um, early on to start talking about where this makes sense. Um, DPs who've done it before, directors who have a space um, or coming to a company like ours who can help guide. Uh, it's a little scary because you do have to make more decisions um, in, in your pre-work rather than post. And that can be a little frightening. But the other hand is you walk away, you can walk away from a day with footage that is, is it, you know you got the shot. Um, so, you know, it's, it is a trade-off. Um, so I think that's important. I think it's important to remember that the technology is new. And so um, there will be a degree of super exciting days where we went to four locations that we never would have been able to do in real life. I swear you cannot. Even in California, even though I know we have the beach and the mountains, it's really hard to shoot on both of them in the same day. Yeah. Um, so that's right. It's fantastic and great. But let's also remember that it's new technology and there will be times where it's going to take a moment for the team to catch up because we changed something. We've moved something right in the middle of camera tracking's view. Camera tracking's going to need a moment to get back to us. Um, it's not dissimilar to, I did a gig years ago, many years ago, um, and I was a PA. And my job was to watch the only entrance door to set, which also was in shot. So I was responsible for keeping that door shut no matter what happened. And I unfortunately had a first AD who wasn't the best at calling cut. So she would call it in the room, but she wouldn't call it on radio. I wouldn't get it on radio. And so all of the other teams would know there was a cut, but I haven't been told by the AD and it doesn't matter. It hasn't gone out on production. I cannot open that door. And I spent the whole day with everyone coming to me and going, but she cuts been called. I tell you it's been called on stage. And I said, I am so sorry. Unfortunately, I cannot open the store until it gets called on production. And there's nothing I can do that will get us there. And in many ways, it reminds me. And then at the end of the day, uh, the second AD who brought me onto the project apologized to me. And he said, I'm so sorry. I know that was a rough day. And I went, that was the gig. I understand why people were frustrated because they couldn't get to the stage. I understand why it was busy on stage and she didn't always call it the way that I would have liked her to. My gig was to keep the door shut. That was it, right? And I think as a producer, my job is to keep us on track. And it, 
it, it sometimes that's the gig. Sometimes people will be frustrated by the choices we make. Sometimes the technology will not do what we wanted to do. Sometimes it will delight us and it will be just this incredible moment. But each of those moments is just about keeping us on track. And so I think for producers who are getting into this, I think the thing to remember is that it's just another tool and you're in, it's not scary. There are people out there who can help, but it is just another tool that we are using to get a different item. You know, uh, most technology, when we add it into film, it takes time to adapt. It's a, it's a five-year process normally, right? The very first time we saw something on Jurassic Park and we were all blown away, it took time to when that was being used more universally and outside of great big budgets and, right? Because of the pandemic, we kind of shortcutted that time, right? We all went very all in on what we're doing here, which is exciting and fun, but it also means that we didn't get the opportunity to build the language, to get the, um, to get the training out, to get more people who understand. So I do think there's a lot of confusion and there's a lot of people who haven't had the opportunity and there's a lot of people who aren't sure. And I think one of the cool things that is offered is get the opportunity to do it in a smaller space, right? Some productions are gonna jump full into a volume or a large wall. Some productions, most productions, when you go to a location shoot now, you scan the space. You have that space available. When you go to do pickups, go do it in a volume. Throw that space in a volume and take two days and go film and get that feel for what this different tool is. You don't have to go all in to weeks and weeks of committing in order to do this. Use a volume that's already set up. There's ones in LA, we are opening one in Atlanta. Go into a space that already exists. Take that opportunity um, to get that feel for it because I'm most excited to see what happens as people start to use this tool more. I'm excited to see what that next step looks like as people, I can propose all I want about what I think a volume is good for, where I think a volume can go, but I've not been making films my whole life. I've not, I did not wake up as an eight-year-old and pick up my camera and go see what I could film. I, my niece and nephew, by the way, do that with iPhones. It's amazing what's available to kids nowadays. Um, I, that's not where my eye is. My eye is figuring out how to follow the technology, how to support the technology, how to meld creative into that. I'm excited by what all those different pieces of the puzzle bring to it. What does someone that has a different eye than I do go, what if we could do X, but to do that, I want them to go film on something and get an idea of what this could do for their production. Right. That seems like great advice. And, and any for aspiring producers to how to how to learn the craft? Same same kind of thing. Start small and. Dude, go go guard a door as a PA and get to <laughs> keep the door the thing. shut. <laughs> <laughs> keep the door shut and realize that every piece that we do on every stage is how we get to our final product. There is, there is no part of what is being done on the stage that doesn't get us to the thing that we built. And I think that's really important to remember. And there's a lot of challenges along the way and there's financial barriers. I know, um, especially for theater, you know, the roles, the offers that people get as young people that don't offer life life-sustaining funds, right? Like it's, it's mm -hmm. really hard to do all of these things. And I don't believe in that, you know, you only do it because you can't do anything else, you know? Nah, you could all be bankers and lawyers. It's true. You all have the capability. Yeah. You're all smart enough. You can figure it out. We do it because it's interesting and because we want to do it and because it gives us an opportunity to tell bigger stories. 
Um, you know, I think most of us are storytellers. We love to tell a story at a party, but the opportunity to tell that story to, I think we have a production coming up that's, I don't know, some many tens of millions of people that will be watching us live as we present it. Um, yeah. It's that opportunity to tell those bigger stories um, that I think we're all kind of in for it, right? Um, or to tell a story that's not possible in real life. You know, as immersive as some of the productions I've done, there are things we can do in film that don't touch what we can do in a real space. So it's those are the things that we're all excited about. So go learn and do a thing. Say yes, right? Say yes to an opportunity. Say yes to a thing you might not quite be ready for. Um, you'll figure it out. Great advice. Yeah, really, really good advice. Say yes and keep the door shut. It might be the title. Keep the door shut. I'm going to get a call from my friend who called me for that gig. And he's going to go, I apologize again. I, I, I can't tell you. It was a really interesting day. <laughs> and it wasn't that dreadful. <laughs> Although I, I someday bet. I'm going to run into that DP and somehow she's going to remember me. It's been like 20 years. But she's going to remember me and she's going to say, how many times did I tell you that call cut? And I said, Unfortunately, I still look like I did in grade school, so I'm, I'm in trouble. She's going to recognize me. Um, <laughs> that's all right. Maybe she'll listen to the podcast and she'll go, what a life lesson. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are the ones that stick with you, for sure. How, yeah. um, how do you, you've done some really cool, really big stuff with lots of moving pieces and big budgets. And uh, how, how do you stay calm in the middle of all of that chaos? <laughs> um, we do a lot of work to get to the space, right? There's a lot of meetings. There's a lot of people who are hired. There's a lot of time we spend preparing for what we're going to do when we get there. I'm not sure where the percentages fall. I like to use 80%. That's probably not true. There's some productions that are way, way closer to that. But we've done a lot of work to get to the space where we know the thing we're going to do on the day that we get there. There will always be something that surprises us. Not every day, not every moment, but there will be something that surprises us. And we did all that work to give us that space to go figure out the thing that is new. Um, you know, uh, one of the things I did when I was at Imagineering is we worked on this uh, pre-integration, which is not just taking an attraction and putting it into software so that you can sit and watch it go through, but actually having it trigger audio cues and lighting cues and show control cues, which don't move something, but might move something in the animation so that you can see how that syncs with all of the different pieces. And it was a fantastic tool that moved us so much further along than we had previously been. And it allowed us to build attractions where Rise has this fantastic ability to, um, if the vehicles stop, uh, we enter into a new, uh, a new uh, part of the script where we transition into something where, you know, we're, we're being told to keep going or why are we stopping? And, you know, there's, there's communication that happens on board. And then as the ride system tells us we're ready to go, it transitions back into the main show. And the goal is that you never get a blown show. You never see something that's not supposed to be the way it was. It's not the old days of, you know, the ride is temporarily paused and we accept that we're not gonna see a full immersive experience. We spent a lot of time in that pre-work and it was amazing. And a lot of artists put their efforts in to get us there, but we will always discover something when we get there that we did not anticipate. We did all that work to get us that time. 
And when we get that time, we have the best team in the world figuring it out. I had a team a couple of weeks ago on a production um, and they were having a camera sync issue and they were frustrated and it was getting late and it was, it was a rough night. And what I said to them on the phone is, you are surrounded by the best team in the world to fix this problem. Not because you're the smartest, not because you're the best necessarily, but because you know your system better than anyone else does right now. And you are the smartest and you are the best and you are surrounded by the best team in the world. And I think it's trusting the teams that are around me that really allows me to keep that calm and say, we are going to solve this because it is the only option. And that doesn't mean we're going to get the thing that we 100% wanted. We may have to solve it in a way that we get something similar to what we wanted. We may solve it in a way we get something better than what we wanted. But what we will do is we will solve it, right? None of us are going to just go, well, that's it. I'm done. Let's all go home, right? There's nothing to be done. That's not the reality of who we are. It's not why we got into this industry. Um, and we will find a solution. And, you know, hopefully it won't involve, you know, my standing up on a ladder with a hose, which I also did for about eight hours one day as PA. That was dreadful. Uh, <laughs> that was not a life lesson, right? What but did there's you a have to do with the hose? Uh, I, I literally just stood there and drifted and I was like, I was a living prop. It was so much fun. It was a very independent <laughs> production. There was, I don't, I believe I may have been paid in grilled cheese for that one. Um, so, so like, you know, hopefully it doesn't end up in a place where we aren't able to get what we want, but that is going to be the reality sometimes. But the goal is to take the team to focus down and to figure out how to solve it and to solve it with the people who are there. Um, to know that you have a Rolodex of a phone, there are people you can call who will be there to support you. Um, and to remember that we are not doing this. In many ways, what we do in this industry is one of the most community collaborative items that's out there. It is, it is very rare to have a small team on set, even, you know, I mean, we're not talking one or two people, we're talking 10 to 15 is rare, right? We are sometimes hundreds of people whose only goal is to get the shot on that day. Not the only goal. I mean, obviously we want to stay safe and all, but like we're here to create this, this image. This is our goal. This is where we are all headed together. And it's kind of an incredible moment to be surrounded by an entire team that that's where we're headed. And, and I think the reminder of, of that reality keeps my balance about me very easily. Everybody is there mm -hmm. for one goal and we're just trying to do one thing. And we did a heck of a lot of pre-work and we thought through a lot of items and now we have a challenge, but we are going to fix it because we have the best team in the world standing with us. Wow. Fantastic advice. <clears throat> really, there's a lot in that. No in be prepared, have a great team and yeah, know that you're going to get it done. Yeah, really. I mean, it's, it's good advice, I think for many challenges that you could go through in life, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, being in, in these environments, I think with so much, so much going on. Yeah. Really, really interesting to hear about your, your perspective. And, um, I got a couple of questions coming in from the audience. So I'm just going to ask a couple of those. Um, somebody saying, uh, is it possible to go through some of the challenges, limitations, um, issues to do with volumes? Um, 
Yeah, it's a little complicated for me to go through without the specifics of what people are looking to do. Like there's obviously yeah. spaces that, you know, you can't put a crowd in a volume. It doesn't really work. You can't, you know, there, there are limitations of, of color um, that you really have to have a strong team on your side to make sure you're getting the color you want. Um, we have an advantage of having a fantastic color team. Um, there is a reality of technology. Um, there are certain things that are better fed by a game engine. Um, you know, so I think that it's, it's really taking all of that advice. Um, and I am, I'm not the strongest person for limitations and possibilities for the simple fact that I think everything is possible and limitations mm. are able to be overcome. Um, but there are spaces where people come to us and it's just not the right choice. But fortunately I'm surrounded by a tremendous team who's got a lot of experience and has the opportunity to say that might not be the choice. Here's our reasons why. So. Great, great answer. Um, another one here. Somebody saying, what specific skill sets with the Unreal Engine will a person need in order to get a job on an LED stage? I have no skill sets with the Unreal Engine. So there are jobs on the LED stage that do not involve Unreal. I will tell you when I got hired at Lux, I did go take a class, a very simple class because I wanted to learn. I got to the point where I created a level and a, and a character and I set him on fire and then I managed to, to have him, I, I added animation for him to pat himself out. And I went, that's all I need to know. I can set someone on fire and I can set them off and I've moved on. Uh, so <laughs> there's certainly a lot of roles that are not. To be an engine operator, to have that opportunity to do Unreal, um, the skills that we're looking at can be twofold. Obviously, there's art skills, um, the ability to, to create worlds, to, to work with light, um, and to, to really see... Um, beyond how we would do that in a game, how does that work through a camera? I think that's a very unique skill. And I think it's one of the reasons um, we have things that have reached out to, to filmmaker, people who are already making film to then learn this new tool. So there's definitely the creative standpoint. Then there's also the technical standpoint. It's uh, people who are familiar with coding, uh, who have the ability to logically think through things, um, blueprints. Um, I coming from a show control aspect, I have that technical find blueprints fascinating and the, and the opportunity of what they can do. What can I bring in? What can I create that no one's created before? And to be honest, um, for us, Epic is a great partner uh, to be able to say, this is a thing I would like to do. And how can we get this built into the next version? Um, we're this close to being able to do it. How can we get this next step? Um, so I think that those kinds of things, um, because it's new, because it's different, they're figuring that out, but skills to get on that volume. I think those are a lot of spaces. And, and the truth is like, you can go build an unreal uh, environment. You can put it on a television with an iPhone and you can start to see what, how some of these things work, right? There are very low cost ways to get into this and start to use it and start to create worlds with it. And you don't have to have a huge volume to do it. And when we talk to people and interview people, you know, they come through programs that give them access to it. They just got fascinated by Unreal. They came from a similar background. Um, maybe they were in animation or maybe they were working already in VFX or maybe they were direct and that's how they got fascinated by it and they went and did their own project. Um, I think that for me, what I'm looking for when we hire, we do sit on a lot of those conversations is I'm looking at some for someone who's excited. 
Um, I'm looking for someone who's interested in where this next level can go. And to a large degree, I'm looking for someone who I want to spend 12 hours on the stage with. Um, that's the simple reality of what we do. Um, I, we have a lot of stages that have a lot of joy. It might be hard and it might be rough. Um, that camera team who sent me a note and who was frustrated trying to make a thing work, um, they sent me a lot of pictures from the stage and they were all still smiling. And that was a great thing of like, what we're doing is hard, but it doesn't mean it has to be miserable. So mm. there can still be joy. Mm. I love it. Yeah, it's important. I mean, right, we spend more time in these places than we do with our loved ones and the family members and yeah, friends. It's it's really important to enjoy what you do. And I I totally agree. There's and sometimes those those really challenging moments of very bonding experiences that really, really get close to people when you go through really hard stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, we have another one. Somebody's asking, is Lux getting involved in the MSG sphere in Las Vegas? It's a very specific question you might not be able to answer. It's a very, very specific <laughs> question. Um, I know that we had some early conversations, but we are not, to my knowledge, and I don't know every breath of the company currently involved. Um, I had some really good friends from Imagineering that have gone over and I'm really excited to see what they're going to do there. And I'm looking forward to all of those steps. Awesome. Great answer. I am too, very much. It's super cool. Got to take a peek at some of the bits and bobs and yeah, really amazing, amazing project. Yeah, they've, they've uh, recruited a lot of Imagineers. So I'm really excited to see, uh, you know, uh, I have an audio friend, I have some media friends, I have some folks in project management. So it'll be interesting to see where they go. Yeah. Um, somebody else is asking about immersive audio. In is that, a, uh, is immersive audio being thought about? That's the whole question. So I don't know if that means in a volume. Um, I'm guessing so. I certainly I think thought about volumes are complicated for audio for sure. Um, I think our team has done some really unique things in some of our design to, to help and mitigate that. But in the end, it's a cone. Um, and yeah. you know, uh, most of your audio friends will, will roll every eye that they have in their head. Um, when you tell them that they want to get perfect audio out of this great big hard thing that surrounds people. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's certainly a lot being done in immersive audio in other spaces. Um, I, gosh, uh, I guess it's been five or six years ago, had an opportunity in Shanghai to um, go to the top of a building where they had created this composition that was only meant for that space. And they had used their speakers as an orchestra to move where the sound was coming from to play with the concept of silence and, and noise and, and how that worked and how it worked in the, in the, it was this really incredible and gosh, I don't remember the name of the composer or the company that brought us. I wish I knew all, remembered all of those things because it was really incredible. I think I had literally gotten off of a plane that day and we like went directly. Um, and a friend of mine who's a really fantastic producer who does a lot of experience work um, uh, invited me to come join and it was a, it was a really, I think a lot of what I do is visual and to get the opportunity to open that other sense. Um, and maybe I was just a little jet lagged. Um, it was, it was really a stunning experience. So I, like all technologies, like all creativity, 
I'm interested to see where that goes um, and to see what we create and what we design. Mm. Fantastic. Uh, another related question, I guess. Um, is there a trend towards LED domes? I'm guessing that's domes in a volume. I've seen like a quarter dome, I guess wasn't being driven by unreal at the time so yeah I, I guess maybe that's the question if, if there's different different shapes getting involved in in the volumes i haven't had a lot of cylindrical but yeah i haven't seen a lot of domes um you know typically there's a curve a uh, flat wall has some challenges with angles and so the curve helps a bit but there are instances if you're filming inside of something where a flat wall is exactly what you want so it kind of um mm. We had an opportunity uh, only about three months ago to work with a production to figure out what their wall was going to be, and it was great. Our, uh, our our virtual production supervisor got on, put their set in a space, put a camera in the space, started building a wall, and said, "What if we put the wall here? What if we put the wall here? What if the wall came up here? Do you want the curve?" Um, and with the the production team actually able to look at it and say, "What is the correct space for what we're looking for, and what is the correct design?" Um, so, so I think I'm a terribly excitable person. I'm excited about what this opportunity of these tools where we can jump, you know, years ago we would do, you know, live, uh, edits of our, of our content for attractions with ILM on the thing or with Weta with us and, and do live edits and say, this is what we're looking for. But now we're moving to a space where we're talking about physical spaces and we're still doing that same thing, right? We're using an engine that gives us the space to build it with a camera so we can say is this the shot you're looking for and how can we help you this was a production that was very far down and they knew the shots they wanted so we were able to say great from this is the shot you're looking for this is where i think we can put a wall that will give you what you look please come look through the camera with us this is what you would be looking at and it's not real assets and the wall is is not made of wood it's made of it's made of you know, zeros and ones but it still gives us an opportunity to say that's what I'm looking for. And I mean, again, none of this is really new. We've been doing this in pre-viz. It's not a huge a tech viz and these things existed. But I think the the speed in which we are able to iterate is part of what's changing. Mm. Right, yeah, and being able to make decisions in into the production before you would be completely mm -hmm. locked. You know, it's like a lot of freedom. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your title being director of physical production we hear about virtual production a lot and i'm i'm curious i'm a director of physical production for a company that specializes in virtual production here we are yeah. um you know my job is a lot of how do we physically get to the thing i have an insanely creative team that is there for how do we use the engine what is the engine building um I have a technology team that says, what are the pieces of technology we have to put together? But as I lead a group of producers, our specific role is how do we keep that engine on the track? How do we make sure that um, we, when we show up, we have the right pieces we're expecting? How do we communicate how to get content to the space so that it's ready and viewed and signed off for the day that we're actually going to run it? Um, how many people do I need? How many do we need to hire? How do we get all of them on stage? So it's it's really the the physical production, the budget and the finance and, and how we get to these things. Right, cool. Yeah, thanks for going through that. I, yeah, it's 
That makes sense. Um, I want to ask you a little bit more about some of the other stuff that you've done outside of volumes, because this thing is super cool and fascinating. And um, can you tell us a little bit about the, I guess, a, a, a little journey through creating Galaxy's Edge from your perspective? <laughs> I just, it's, oh, it's so cool. I would I, love to. I've never been, but are you not allowed to yeah. talk about it? <laughs> oh, no. Well, first of all, I don't work for the mouse anymore, so I'm not sure what I am and I'm not allowed to talk about, but right. yeah, the too. convenient thing is I remember the things that were amazing. So those are always great things to be able to talk about. Um, one of the greatest joys of being an Imagineer is to see a drawing in a conference room and then however many years later, walk through the physical space. Uh, when we opened Galaxy's Edge, we opened the land first before we opened Rise. Um, so the land in Millennium Falcon. Um, and we, um, as in all things, we weren't quite where we wanted to be as we got closer and closer to opening day. So um, I got the opportunity with the park every morning to show up at 530 and walk through the park as we taught the team, this is what you're looking for. These are the things that are supposed to be moving. These are the things that should have lights on. This is the audio you should be hearing. How do I recognize a proper show check? How do I know that that's not working the way I expect it to? So um, we can write all the documents we want, but the best way to do that is to walk with the teams through the space. You know, there is a tremendous army in both Orlando and Anaheim that maintain those lands and keep them to a level where every guest who walks through the space should walk through the space it should all be prepared for the very first time, right? I don't ever want somebody to walk through and go, well, they built that five years ago and so it doesn't run anymore. No, 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 no. Our goal is we keep all those things running. So um, I uh, was staying down there for programming. So I was able to walk over and, and do those 5.30 walks every morning. And one of the mornings I walked, um, I was walking through the space where the Falcon was and the sun was coming up and no one was out yet because I hadn't made it to the team to meet them. And I paused and I could remember looking at those spaces in Glendale and mm. what we were going to build. And then standing on that stage where the audio was right and the lighting was right and all of those pieces. And, and I want to be clear, like it takes thousands of people to build that. There's mm. no one person who did it. There is no one voice. Um, we have strong creative vision from our creative teams and we have strong you know, technical direction. So there's a lot of voices that get in there. To see from that moment we saw it to the moment where all of those things came together to create that space for me is a really magical moment. Um, they just opened Avengers Campus in Paris. Um, I think it opened yesterday, oh. um, a couple days ago and uh, it hard opens um, this weekend. And that's a project I worked on many years ago. And, you know, to, to be able to step back in um, and see that I didn't get to do, I didn't do all the building part because those happened outside of me while I worked with the other projects that I was working on. Oh, I touched my ear. So I must've wanted something. Um, and, and to get the opportunity now I'm debating, do I get on a two hour train ride to go see that land? I'm, I'm really excited to see how it ends up, but there is no moment for an Imagineer that is better than see a drawing, see a building, know the difference. It's really fantastic. Yeah. Oh, very cool. And, I, and 
you've probably seen, I guess, being in love with Star Wars for most of your life, having that in you and then being able to see the yeah. drawing was yeah. probably really cool. But then also to go see it in reality, I, I would, I still haven't seen the space yet. I really want to, but. I, and to get the yeah. opportunity to sit and talk about what are the things that are going in and what are the things that aren't, what are the things that are easy and what are the things that are hard um, mm -hmm. are really, is really unique. So um, yeah, it was a, a tremendous, tremendous gift. And I'm really glad we opened pre-pandemic and I'm really glad I got the opportunity to see people delighted by what we were offering. Um, I wrote a note to the team the day that we opened and I said, you know, this is the work you have done. And while we open to the world, this will always be our world. And for every delighted child and grandparents tear and slightly befuddled middle-aged person, which I'll put myself in that category, <laughs> you know, those are the emotions we've built and they will always be yours. And while that was really important to us when we opened, as Imagineering went through a bit of a rough period afterwards, it became even more important to those of us who left, to those of us who, you know, returned with complicated feelings. Um, it's been it's been a journey over the last few years, and I think remembering the essence of that which we built and we worked on to create, it, it really brings it home to, you know, we. We did these things because I do think they make a difference in the world. I do think that people go and see these things and it gives them joy and it, it lets them see other cultures and it allows them to, you know, uh, working with some of the items um, on Pandora and seeing how it opens us up to where other people come from and, and, and why they're in this space. Uh, the space that Joe Rody built is absolutely stunning. He's a, he's a fantastic person to work for because he, he does a really good version of directing versus designing and and how those vary, you know, a, a, a director um, gives you a direction and says, here are your here are your cones, here are the spaces, and then go. A designer says, this is how I fit in those things. This is the thing that gives you. And it's it's really fascinating to see him work and he's a tremendous uh, talent to get the opportunity to work with. And Pandora is the result, the direct result of that work. And more Guardians, um, when it took over Tower of Terror is another example of, of, you know, how we get playful, joyful energy into a space. Right. If you get playful, right. joyful into the Tower of Terror, it's pretty impressive. Tower of Terror, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, a lot of magical spaces being created. I think it's really, really important. Uh, there's, there's plenty of things going on in the world we prefer that weren't. So I, I totally agree with you. But I guess that was Disney's vision too, to bring joy to the yeah. world. I mean, I'm a person who's willing to go enter into a space and watch a movie for 90 minutes and forget what's happening in the rest of the world. Hmm. Maybe it teaches me something. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe I just laugh hysterically. I'm okay. Yeah, that's, that's good enough. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's important to remember that. Um, I, I had to, had to try and bring that to teams during the really difficult moments in production where things are tough and the stress levels are going up and to remember like why you're doing it that you're doing it so in several years time somebody is touched by that experience it's sometimes hard to remember that like why you're doing it when you're stuck in the minutiae of a problem but that's that is yeah, why you're doing yeah. it it's a real privilege to be able to do it 
Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you what you are excited about in the, in the future of this industry. Like, what would you like to see more of? I think I spoke a little bit about it. I'm really excited to see this technology as it gets into more hands to see what others will create. Um, I think that it's still in the infancy where we're kind of using it the way that we saw it used. We're, we're not quite to the point where we're pushing it to what about if we could do this. Um, I have a friend who, but, but couldn't we just, is, is one of his least favorite phrases because it generally involves, but couldn't we just, and, and that thing is very hard. And it's not a couldn't or just, it's, it's a must happen and, right? But it's also where the magic happens. What if we did this or what if we change that? And I think I'm excited to see that as more creatives get in this space, as more people who come from different levels of technology and different backgrounds, what are the things that we're gonna see tomorrow? Is there, are there any, um, there's another question that's come in sort of related to that. Um, somebody's asking, where do you see LED screens in three years? What do LED studios need to consider now? Make sure you have as much bandwidth as possible, right? We're gonna keep pushing this, right? Um, wire for twice the frame rates be prepared for us to go to this level of insane fidelity. Um, I, I see it coming. I see people designing for it. Um, I think that we're going to get to a level of a lot of the limitations that we're still looking at um, are going to start to disappear faster and faster. And I think it's all about data and bandwidth and, and forward thinking. And, and again, we got to this moment because all of the technology met what is the next moment as this technology moves to the next step? And it's it's four or five items coming together, right? It's it's not just the LED, but it is also what can the camera do, what can the what can the engine do, what can the what is possible because data has we can flow data as fast as we wish, right? What how small have the fans in a computer become that allow mm -hmm. us to get right more into a space? lower the cost of entry for those? How do we get to those things that then take us to that next level? It's it's absolutely about how do we get to that next step? And I'm very excited to see where it is. Well, your passion is very clear and it's very infectious. And um, yeah, really, really, really such a pleasure to speak to you about this. Um, is there anything that you want to share with people? Do you have any... I don't know. I always ask people at the end, do you have an Instagram you want people to follow, YouTube channel? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'm on Instagram. It's terribly boring. It's a lot of pictures of like the Hollywood Bowl and, and dinners. Uh, but I am on LinkedIn and I, uh, I like to share things. Look me up on LinkedIn. I, I really, I like to talk about the industry, where it's going and something we didn't cover a lot here, which is um, how do we increase diversity in the industry? How are we getting mm -hmm. new stories in? Um, as I sit here as a female, you know, director of physical production, I think it's really important to see where we can, how do we add people? Uh, I feel pretty firmly about how we reach in earlier and earlier to let people see what it is. Part of why I do podcasts and go out and speak is specifically so that we can see images of people that look more like us and figure out a way to go follow that path. Right. Well, seeing as you brought it up, um, any advice for 
no, to, to for companies, to individuals on, on that note? I wish I had the magical bullet. I certainly know we're all looking for it. Um, I think the reality is it is getting out in the space. It is talking about it. It is uh, reaching into the educational groups like you know yourself and 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 getting people in earlier. I think that's going to be the the secret to getting us to that next level. Um, we can't wait until people are well into their industry. We can't say, well, I never saw any resumes of anyone. Like we have to go reach out and actively make it happen. I know our organization is dedicated to it. I know a lot of organizations. And, and let me be clear, it's not to increase our diversity. It's a great side effect. It's to increase the stories at our tables. Mm. We tell better different stories when our spaces are full of people who come from various backgrounds. That's how we get to the better answer. And so the more we can do to bring people in who come from a different space, I come from a different space, right? I did not come up in film. Um, so the more we do that, the more opportunity we get to tell better stories. And that I think is a really important place where we want to get. I absolutely agree. I mean, we, we very passionate about that as well. We have a diversity program. If anyone's interested in who's listening, <laughs> get in touch. We're, we're extremely keen on helping that push that conversation forward. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's super important as well. Um, yeah, anything, anything more to share on that? I, I don't think so. I'm pretty willing to, uh, you know, reach out on my LinkedIn. I'm going to say this, but reach out on my LinkedIn. I'm willing to put a 15 minute chat on. Um, I'm willing to, to have a conversation. I, I shouldn't say willing. I look forward to having a conversation. I love to talking to people who are coming from different walks of life in different spaces. I am pretty busy. That's a reality. It may take us time to get it scheduled. I think Ed will assure you that that is the reality. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, it's not that I don't want to have those conversations. Uh, one of the things I did uh, during the pandemic when I had time was I put a bunch of coffee chats, as I called them, and I don't drink coffee, but I put a bunch of coffee chats on my calendar with people from all kinds of different industries to go and talk to them about what do you do? What are you excited about? What do you think is next? Not because I was looking for a job, more because I was looking for, I mean, imagining it was a great place and they brought me back and I happened to run into something that I was just more passionate about by then, right? I was very, very excited to go do what I do, but I only got there because I went and talked to a lot of people and said, what do you do? What are you excited about? And I heard about people who worked at Google and I heard people who were out there building climbing gyms and people who were creating bounce house spaces and you know, people who had all of the different things. Another quick question just popped in. Someone's asking, when, he, when does Lux open the stage in Atlanta? Oh man, my marketing team is going to kill me that I don't. I know we are currently <laughs> in demos. Um, I know the stage is really great. I know if a production comes in and they're ready to move in, we will be ready. So uh, we're really, really close. Um, but I don't know that we have an opening date announced yet. But it's coming to. Oh to yeah, an, it's an Atlanta near real you. close. I saw some gorgeous footage today. We're very, very close. Fantastic. I'm, I'm excited. I'd love to come check it out for sure. And yeah, thank you, Danny, so much for joining us. I've really thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for your time and sharing all of your wisdom and your amazing experience. Um, I think it's yeah, 
really it's been a fantastic hour and yeah hope we get to see you back sometime yeah thanks so much for inviting me i really truly enjoyed it great yeah you're always welcome and thank you also to our listeners thanks for hanging out with us for the hour thanks to those that ask questions and sorry to any questions that we didn't get to um if you're interested in what we do as a school you can follow us at becomecgpro.com and we'll be back in two weeks with another episode and thank you all i hope you all have a great night afternoon morning wherever you are Thank <laughs> you.